Hey friends, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis 37. If you don't have a traditional Bible and you'd like to have one, just raise your hand and one of my friends here will bring you one. Or you can also take your smart device and open up the version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and all the scriptures are already right there. If you're watching us live on our online campus or at one of our many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, welcome. We love you and we love you no matter what screen you're looking at us from today. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. And so we're in week three of a series that we've been in that we've just been calling Caves. And so great job last week. Thank it was you. so good. I laughed so many times throughout it. I couldn't believe some of the stuff that you said. I just was on the other side of the screen just going, oh my gosh, did you seriously say that you could buy Tiffany perfume at Walgreens? You can It, it took me back to the seventh grade junior prom when I went Thanks. to Shoppers Drug Mart in Windsor, Canada and stole some cologne so that I could get in there. As a, hey, listen, this is my first shoplifting. You'll never forget. You didn't forget. know Jesus. You never, no, I didn't know Jesus, yeah. but I knew Shoppers Drug Mart and I knew that they didn't have great cameras. And so then I couldn't believe that you also talked about the curly cues on the, the prom curls oh on gosh, Jewish Orthodox. We had that. no Orthodox Jews in the house though. Thank God, because yes. we offended an entire religion of people on that. And so anyway, really good job, Thank all you. of that being considered. And I'd like to say, I love you. I love you in <laughs> Hebrew. Yeah, if you didn't understand that, then you're going to have to go back and watch last week's message on our website or on our app. And so I thought, well, this is fun. This is fun. It's totally different. Uh, We've been doing this for a minute. We've been doing ministry together. But not preaching. No, we've been doing this together a long time, Mm -hmm. but we've never actually done something like in this format together. Uh, I think that some people look at us and uh, they think because of what we do that perhaps maybe we're perfect. But I got to tell y'all that this whole message comes from our own division. Mm -hmm. It actually comes from our own cave. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a divided cave, but I wanted to start by doing a little uh, game, a little challenge Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, Think of it like YouTube. Do you know YouTube? Do you know what that is? I know what it is, but I'm not active on it. Is I this like j- Jimmy Fallon? No, yeah, kind of. Okay, I wanted good. to I'm be like you. our kids and okay. razz you that you don't gotcha. know all the coolest <laughs> things. But we're going to do a challenge. So uh, we're going to do a challenge because we've been married for 20, how many years? You keep track, It'll I don't. It'll be 24 in February. Okay, you won yeah, that challenge. I did. 24 in February. You always go ahead, though, and I hate that. So Hello. we've been married 23 years. Uh, and so the first couple years, there are some things that happened. And so I thought I would give five words or phrases to you, and then when I say the word or phrase, you tell the people <laughs> okay. what I'm talking about. And, and just to be clear, I haven't been prompted no, on what these things are. No, we have not practiced are. So this. I wanted this okay. to be off the top of my head. Yes, because we're going to get a little bit deep about our right. divided right. cave and our divorce. Like, you'll see the point to this in just a second. We need to start this light. Okay. So, for the first few years of our marriage, there's five things that happened. Okay. This is the word. Fax machine. <laughs> Dirty notes. Dirty notes. I was going to say naughty notes. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I we were married. Yes, we were married. I hope that some of the people here actually know what a fax machine is. But one of the things that we used to do is we would like write little notes to each other and we would do it in pictures. This is before emojis. So yes. basically somebody owes us money because we invented emojis. And, and they so were we, hearts and swans oh, yeah. and some pictures. Some of them were. So anyway. We would fax that to pictures. work yes. to each other, which is just fax bad. Machine. Hopefully it's not like the internet where once it's out there, it's always out there. Hopefully right. there's no fax log the government has of our naughty Hopefully fax machine. Hopefully it didn't instantaneously go out on the Right. Line. Okay, second second word challenge. Guitar-shaped pool. Explain. Honeymoon. Honeymoon. It was Ramada Inn <laughs> in <laughs> Nashville, Nashville had a guitar-shaped pool. We thought we were pool. something. Ramada yeah. Inn. It was, listen, it was like the Elvis. It was the yeah. Elvis pool, the it guitar. It was probably $49 for the night. Okay. Yeah. Next word. Garage sale. Dogs. 
We didn't buy our dogs from a garage sale. No. So when we got done with our dogs, and let's be clear, we had a lot of dogs. We, we waited dog to people. have kids. We were those They people. slept with us. We were good <laughs> dog owners. I we, just want to say this. We do have a picture somewhere. I wish that if I would have known this, I would have tried to find this. But we do have a picture somewhere of Pastor Sonny with the front backpack with a black cocker spaniel. Sitting in the front. like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was she thought, awesome. She thought they were her babies. That's okay, for sure. But <laughs> this is the weird part of it is that when we say that we sold our dogs at garage sales consistently, like we would have seven at a time, nine at a time. I mean, we were dog breeders. We, we were had dogs, yeah. AKC registered. For they sure. slept with us. We carried them. We really loved them. So the weird thing is that when we were done with them, they, w- we, they would get garage sailed with oh, our sure. old bedding. Cheap, though, too. 25 like, bucks. Yeah. Have a full bred cocker spaniel. Well, we had we're a just ro- done. We had a Rottweiler named Samson, and he was he was a big dog. I mean, big. And we even, got scared. Even for a Rottweiler, yeah. and, and he, he tried to bite me, and so I sold him. Garage, garage sale. sale. All right, fourth challenge. This is a phrase. Perfume out of a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was actually what I did when we were first married. Before I, the I, fax machine I, job. I, I, I sold perfume out of the trunk of car. I'm just saying. Actually, your your 18th birthday present I bought out of the trunk of a car. My suit? Oh, yeah, for sure. That suit was the jam, too. She had a business suit. Like, this is the most romantic thing. I bought her two things for her 18th birthday. This is what every teenager, this is why you shouldn't get married too early. I bought her a green and blonde wood kitchen table and chairs. 18th birthday. and, And a tan business suit so ugly pearl buttons terrible skirt but you didn't buy me perfume we we used all of our savings to buy the perfume our our wedding money so that you could be the top salesman of the perfume out of the trunk business yes and then for then then what was great about this is then we were out of money but you were top salesman and then the company disappeared the main trunk guy disappeared okay so then lastly because we got to get into the message here. Okay. Okay. So, but lastly, you kind of uh, talked about this. It was my 18th birthday that I got yeah. gifts mm-hmm. while we were married. You were my parental guardian for three months. I was not your parental guardian because that's I weird. think you were. I was your legal guardian. Okay. Meaning that your parents signed your rights over yes. to me. So parents, use wisdom. Teenagers, don't get married too early because the moral of the story is you're going to end up selling perfume. You're going to end up buying a suit out of the trunk of a car. You're going to end up selling dogs at a garage sale. And you're going to end up with some creepy, long-bearded dude who is going to be your legal guardian. That's right. So, So, But but now we're legal. Now we could actually just do our call to response at that point. And every parent in here would be happy to a parenting message. And so with all of that said, we actually want to share with you a message that we're calling the divided cave. Let's pray. God, we love you, honor you, cherish you, value you. Thank you for who you are and what you do. Thank you for everything that has happened in our lives and everything that is yet to happen. God, thank you that you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. That God, we've never been divided from you. God, any distance that's ever been between us and you, we were the ones that created. Thank you that you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So today I pray that you would shape us, mold us, make us who you want us to be, eliminate the parts that shouldn't be there and add the parts that should as we become less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so the divided cave, division seldom has positive connotations. In fact, by definition, It is the act of separating something into parts, generally due to a disagreement between those parts. It actually 
has a violent overtone, doesn't it? Yeah, and scripture actually has a lot to say about being divided. In fact, Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. Hmm. The book of Romans tells us, watch out for those who cause division. And the book of James says, a double-minded man is unstable Hmm. in all his ways. And then the book of Titus tells us this, have nothing to do with people who stir up division. Yeah, and it's actually interesting that when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he said that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And he was clearly saying that our hearts, our souls, and our minds, they cannot be divided. So when we find ourselves in a place of division, we're actually finding ourselves in a really deep and a really dark place. So let's talk about the divided cave. There's an interesting character in the book of Genesis, a guy named Joseph. Yeah, and and it really, his story starts in Genesis chapter 37. Here's what it says. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, hello. Hello. He often tended his father's flocks. This is like the male version of you, kind of like you talked about last week. He worked for his half, (laughs) he worked for his half brothers and some of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. Those (laughs) are fun names. Those are fun (laughs) names, aren't they? Bilhah. I always feel like a donkey when I say this. Bilhah, (laughs) Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his fathers some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Talk about being a little snitch. He's like, ooh, I'm telling. But Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other kids, maybe because he was his snitch. But because Joseph had, had, Jacob had Joseph when he was old. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. And it was his beautiful robe. But Joseph's brothers, they hated him because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. You ever feel like you have people in your life who just can't say a kind word to you? Mm-hmm. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they got more mad than ever. They hated him more than ever. He said, listen to this dream, y'all. He said, we're out in a field and we're tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and they bowed down before mine. And his brothers replied, oh, so you're going to be our king now. You're going to reign over us. And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and how he talked about them. And we need to be careful who we share our dreams with. Yeah, sometimes only with one another. Right. Then, Then Joseph had another dream. And for some reason, even after their reaction, he decided that he would tell his brothers about this one too. He said, listen, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars, they bowed low before me. And now I'm even thinking that this dude is arrogant. I'm starting to think this guy is self-centered. He's a typical baby of the family. Take it from me. I'm the baby and, and you're the oldest. This time he told the dream to his dad too. But his dad scolded him. He said, hold up, boy. What kind of dream is that? You think your mama and I are going to bow down before you too? Because like he wasn't having that. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, watch this, his father wondered what the dream meant. I do this all the time. I think a lot of times as parents, we come back and we, we think on. We think about the things that we get on to our kids about or that we overreact to. Verse 12, soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture with their father's flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for a while, Jacob told Joseph to go find his brothers. And Joseph said, I'm ready to go. He wasn't having it being in those fields anymore. And when his brothers saw him, this is verse 18, they recognized him from a distance, probably because of his coat. And as he got closer, they made plans to kill him. They said, here comes the dreamer. Or I bet you one of them said, oh, here comes that little snitch. And so come on, come on, let's kill him and let's throw him into this pit. We can tell daddy that a wild animal ate him. I thought, this is what my brothers used to do to me. They'd try to kill me and say that somebody ate me. And then we'll, we're going to see about his dreams then. Like, that's so ugly. That's so yeah. scandalous. Like, mm-hmm. let's kill him. We'll see about his little dreams then. But, but Reuben, the oldest, he tried to come to Joseph's rescue. 
He said, man, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in the pit. If we throw him in the pit, we can let him die on his own. We won't have his blood on our hands. In other words, we'll let him die from hunger or we'll let him die from exposure. In other words, we'll let him suffer. But really, Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him back to his father because he didn't want to get in trouble. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped his little robe off and they threw him in a pit. And I was thinking, you know, the difference between a pit and a cave is that in a pit, you can see how deep you are. You just can't see a way out. And so they threw him in a pit and and the, just as they were sitting down to eat, talk about having no remorse. They threw their yeah, brother in a pit and he's going to die. And they're like, let's get our grub on. Yeah. Just as they threw him in the pit, they looked up as they were eating and they saw a group of merchants heading from Egypt. And Judah had an idea. He said, let's sell him. Why, why should we leave this place? Every with no, sibling's no, dream. Just, let's right? sell our let's sibling. Let's sell our sister. 28. <laughs> so they pulled him up out the pit and they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Mm. The merchants took him to Egypt where they sold him to Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh. The brothers then took his robe and they dipped it in in, uh, goat blood. And they took it back to their father so that they could tell their father that their brother must have died. Joseph felt abandoned because he was abandoned. He was literally thrown in a pit. Mm. He was divided from all he knew, from his dad who loved him. And all that he knew was gone, divided. When Shauna and I, we separated 11 years ago. So yes, we've been married 23 years and holding. And when we were separated 11 years ago, we, we were headed for divorce. We didn't end up getting divorced, but we felt divided from people. In fact, as we neared divorce, we had very few people left to call or turn mm. to. But it gave us two questions that now we ask ourselves, mm-hmm. and I wish back then we would have asked ourselves this. Yeah. So two questions we can all ask ourselves when we're divided. Number one, what part did I play in this division? We hid our troubles, yeah. and people, our friends, our family, their trust was violated too. We made foolish decisions and then we wanted others to agree with us or stroke our ego. So a second question to ask yourself in division is, how would I react if someone dropped this on me? Mm. Like, would I know what side to take? Now I see it, although it's taken me 11 years to see this. I see that we put people in awkward position. Mm-hmm. Like, do we pick Sonny? Well, of course. <laughs> or do we pick Sean? Uh, even now, you know, look at me, I'm kind of trying to sway people. But if we just even talk to Sean, does that make Sonny our enemy because Mm -hmm. they're separated. We've probably all faced this and we've been on both sides of the situation. Hopefully you've not been on the divorce side of the situation, Mm. but I've been mad at both people for their decision to divorce. I felt stuck in the middle. So I probably pulled them back and, and I made them feel like I pulled back and made them feel abandoned. Yeah. And I was reading back through Joseph and I thought, man, I wonder if Joseph asked questions like that from the bottom of the pit. Like, I wonder if he was in the bottom of the pit and he, and he was like, was he feeling sorry for himself? Or was he like, why didn't I just keep my mouth shut? Probably like, both. I, yeah. I wonder, if, wonder if he thought about questions like that later as he was like, processing through his anger for his brothers. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if he, if he learned from the mistakes of his mouth. Mm-hmm. There are seasons in our lives and Joseph actually had four seasons. And I think we're in probably mm-hmm. one of the four seasons, maybe even right now. So we're going to look at Joseph's four seasons. We talked r- already and I want to unpack the pit season just briefly because we just read all the scripture about how he got thrown into the pit. And honestly, I think he did it with his own dumb decision. Like God gave him a dream. Did he really need to go flaunt it in front of his brothers Mm. and his dad? So with our own dumb decisions, are we like Joseph with his coat? And he did his part in flaunting the blessing. And I also so get Jesus or Joseph because I was a kid that was super overconfident. Like (laughs) I was the oldest 
Oh, yeah. Well, then I kind of, you know, let life get to me and yeah. I got insecure, yep. but I started out confident, like natural self-assurance like Joseph. Like, for instance, I had two boyfriends in seventh grade <laughs> because I wanted both. And like, why couldn't I have like, them? Like, like both within the school year or? No, at the same time. Like I, he was my boyfriend, he was my boyfriend and I was going out with both. Remember I was raised on the ranch. I didn't know how the boyfriend thing. Were you so, making up for lost time? I think with, so. <laughs> so I think it was Doug and it was Matt and oh Doug God. and Matt were both my boyfriends. And so that self-assurance, like that, I don't think people really liked that. And that kind of got me thrown into a pit. I mean, I didn't get thrown in a pit. I did get depanced on the playground. Mm. And I think it's because they thought, who's this girl think she is, that she's going to have two boyfriends. And here's the deal. I was just making my way through. I had plans for additional boyfriends as time allowed. So I may have contributed to my pit season, maybe a little. <laughs> well, I, I think for Joseph, who luckily didn't have, you know, some of the stuff going on that you had <laughs> going on. I think for him, the pit season was a segue to the second season, which mm -hmm. is the Potiphar season. Look, look at verse 39. It says, while Joseph was working for Potiphar, the Lord was with Joseph and he succeeded in everything that he did. Potiphar noticed it. See, people are gonna, are gonna notice when the spirit of God is on your life. It's so it says Potiphar noticed and he realized that God was with Joseph and that it was God that was giving him the success. So he made Joseph his personal attendant and he put him in charge of everything that he owned. And from the day that Joseph was put in charge, God blessed Potiphar for Joseph's sake. Mm. Everything that happened in Potiphar's circumstances flourished. Joseph was very handsome and he was very well built. I think this is really interesting. It says, and Potiphar's wife soon noticed and began to look at him lustfully. And she demanded to him, come and sleep with me. I wonder if she thought like, you are, you are my property. Yeah. So now you, you owe me this. But Joseph refused. Mm -hmm. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. Sometimes we got to be careful what we do when somebody's trusted us mm -hmm. with certain things, particularly God. It says, no one here has more authority than I do. He, like he's held back nothing from me except for you. How could I do such a wicked thing? Mm -hmm. It would be a great sin against God. Yeah. But she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Verse 11, this is really interesting. It says, one day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> Just needed, situational yeah. awareness. He, he needed to be a aware of his surroundings. Yeah. And, and one of the things, just side note, that we've been teaching our kids and every time mm -hmm. we've had interns or employees, one of the things that we've taught our, our kids or our people is to raise the standard of their life. Mm -hmm. Like if you just say, I'm not gonna have sex before I get married, good chances are you're probably gonna fail in that area. Mm. But if you raise that standard and you say, I'm never gonna find myself alone with yes. a member of the opposite right. sex, then you're probably not going to break the on right not and our pastors on staff yeah. and our staff like they're not driving in the car with someone who's not their spouse we don't have work wives and work husbands that you're found oh alone gosh. with because that's where things can develop totally like danger will robinson mm -hmm. verse 12 it says she grabbed him by the cloak and demanded come on sleep with me and joseph tore himself away but he left his cloak in her hands and he ran from the house and this is the second time someone's 
has his coat in their hand. Like right. the first time his brother, this time this lady. Right, which incidentally, interestingly, a person's coat or a person's cloak in that day, they served as an identifier. Like families had coats, mm. like cities had flags. It's why his brothers actually were angry with him. And it wasn't because the coat was so fresh, but it's because <laughs> that coat signified that their father had chosen to hang his identity on Joseph rather than to hang mm. his identity on them. So, so here Joseph has been given another cloak. He's been given another opportunity, yeah. another identity. He's basically been chosen as Potiphar's representative. He's been, with this cloak, he's been made a part of Potiphar's family. Mm -hmm. But when she saw that she was still holding his cloak, she started screaming. And when all the men who worked for them came running in, she said, look, my husband brought this Hebrew slave here and he's trying to make a fool of us all. And he came into my room and he tried to rape me, but I screamed. And when I screamed, he ran but I snatched his cloak. And then this is also the second time that someone lied about why they have his coat. Like this is repeating itself. So she had his cloak mm -hmm. and she held it until her husband got home, which is interesting because like this was gonna be her proof. To her, this was the smoking gun. And then she told him, her husband, everything that had happened and she showed him the cloak. Once you have been burned though, like Joseph, or once you've burned a bridge, mm. you get more wise the next time, or we hope that we get wiser. I didn't have two boyfriends at the same time again. Like <laughs> you learn that blew up in your face, right? <laughs> Joseph learned like, I need to watch my mouth, my mm -hmm. actions. Like Joseph probably said, I'll never do that again. I will never get myself in a ringer again. Joseph made, didn't want to make the mistake again. And so some of us need to think that way. But Joseph, he was so good at not making excuses for himself because he knew he had done dumb, mm. which translated into him going, I am not doing, I'm sure he was tempted. Oh, I'm sure Potiphar's wife, it's Potiphar. Right. He probably had a beautiful wife. I'm sure it wasn't that Joseph wasn't tempted. It's that he learned from the last mistake. Right. But that situation hurled him into the third season, which is the prison season. Because mm. immediately after he ran from Potiphar's wife, Potiphar has him thrown in prison. This is verse 41. It says, chapter 41. This says, two full years later, two years after she snatched his cloak. He's been in prison for two years. Mm. And pa Pharaoh had a nightmare. And the dream was so bad that he called for all the magicians and all the wise men in all of Egypt looking for a meeting, meaning, but nobody could tell him what the meaning of his dream was. And finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up and he said, today I've been reminded of my failure. Hmm. And in verse 10, he says, some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me and you put us in prison. One night, the baker and I, we both had weird dreams. Nobody could tell us what it meant, but there was a Hebrew boy who was in the prison with us. And not only did he tell us what our dreams were, he told us what our dreams meant because God has a way of taking the problems in our lives and using them as our biggest blessing. Just this week, actually, I was talking to some friends of mine and we were talking about the book of Philippians, which I love the book of Philippians, which is basically a long letter of thanksgiving. And we were talking about that, talking about things that we had to be grateful for, things that we have that we should be thankful for and things that we don't have mm. that we should be thankful for. And so we're talking about the, the book of Philippians, which is basically a long letter of gratitude, even though biblically it's what you would call a prison epistle. And what that means is that it was a letter that St. Paul or the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends in the city of Philippi who had started a church and he wrote that letter from prison. It's amazing. And in the first chapter of that letter to his friends, Paul says this, this is verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that's in chains for Jesus, but watch this, and because of my chains, 
most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And so he's saying like, I'm grateful that I was in prison because had I not been in prison, there wouldn't be this move of God, which reminds me of so many of the letters that we get from the Brown County County Jail. Mm -hmm. So many, just last week, we got a letter from a gentleman who said, I'm so, he said, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I'm thankful that I'm incarcerated. Mm -hmm. He went on to list all of the things that the great people of Life Church have done for him, right? So back to Joseph, verse 13. And everything happened just as he had predicted. So the the cupbearer says the to Pharaoh. Everything that he predicted, it happened the same way. You need to call this guy. So this is a season of waiting, the waiting and wondering. Joseph's in prison going, why am I forgotten? I've changed my ways. I watch my mouth. My heart is right. I'm a better person than I've ever been. I totally didn't do anything with Potiphar's wife. Yeah, but being faithful in the waiting led Joseph to the fourth Mm -hmm. season. And here's the fourth season. It's the palace season. This is chapter 42. It says, when Jacob heard that grain, this is Joseph's dad, When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, and I love this because this is how a dad would reply. Why are you standing around looking at each other? (laughs) I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go and get some, otherwise we're going to die. So Joseph's 10 older brothers, they went to Egypt to buy grain, but Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go because he didn't want to lose him. Like he left, like, like, I don't trust y'all. You already lost one of my sons. I don't, I don't trust you to take him. So Jacob's sons went to Egypt to buy food. Since Joseph was governor, he's been promoted mm-hmm. since he's been in prison. Since Joseph was governor, number two in charge of the most powerful empire in the world, his brothers had to go to him to buy the food. And when they arrived, scripture says they bowed before him with their faces to the ground, which I go, hello. This is literally his dream yes. come true. Joseph recognized his brother's instantly because it's hard to forget the face of your abuser Mm -hmm. and some of y'all know what that feels like you know what I'm talking about because every time you close your eyes you still feel the face you still feel the breath you still see the eyes of your accuser so Joseph recognized his brothers instantly but they pretended to be he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them where are you from he demanded he said we're from the land of Canaan We've come to buy food. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Hmm. It's been like 20 years since the pit. And not only has it been some time, he's grown up, he's matured, he's been through some life. He's, yeah, he's, he's got also, some crow's feet He's got side. some crow's yeah. feet and I, I resonate with that. <laughs> Plus he's taken on the appearance of his surroundings. Verse nine. And he remembered the dreams that he'd had about them. He gave him a hard time. He says, y'all ain't nothing but spies. You've come here so that you can see how vulnerable our kingdom has become. And the only way that I'll believe that you're not spies is if you go back and you bring your youngest brother back to me. And he put them all in prison for three days. Joseph had a place in their lives, but they didn't have a place in his life. Like his life had gone on. Mm -hmm. His, His life had progressed and they needed him. But to him, he sure enough didn't need them. And on the third day, Joseph said to them, I'm a God fearing man. If you do what I say, I'm gonna let you live. If you're really honest men, I want you to choose one of your brothers and have him remain in prison and the rest of you can go home with grain to feed your families. Even if you go home, you're gonna need to bring your youngest brother back because I need you to prove that you're telling the truth. So they all got in a huddle and they all talked to each other. Here's what they said. This is verse 21. It says, because of this, this is because of what we did to Joseph. We saw his anguish when he begged for his life, but we, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. And then Reuben, the oldest, he said, didn't I tell y'all that we shouldn't sin against that boy? 
Y'all wouldn't listen to me. Now we have to answer for his blood, which is interesting because I bet you for that 20 years, mm. Joseph would have spent his whole life thinking that Reuben was the one responsible for throwing him in the pit. And you would have thought that because he was the oldest brother and the oldest brother always within the Jewish faith had the most authority. So Joseph probably spent 20 years holding the greatest grudge against Reuben. The but wrong person. The wrong How person. many times do we do that? How many? Yeah. So many times. And so, so he realizes in this conversation that Reuben wasn't responsible. Mm. 22 is interesting. 23, it says they didn't know that J- Joseph could understand them because he'd been speaking through an interpreter. So he chose Simeon to stay and he had him tied up right before their eyes. Why? Because Simeon's the second oldest. And from that conversation, he could tell that Reuben wasn't responsible. So in his mind, he does the math and understands that the pit must have been Simeon's plan. So he sends the other brothers to receive his younger brother. He agreed to give provision to the oldest brothers so he could be in the presence of his youngest brother. Joseph rescued his older brothers, but he longed for his mm. younger brother. And the reason is because his younger brother was Benjamin. And the reason he sends for him is because there were only two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, that were from his mother, Rachel. Mm-hmm. And this was the wife Jacob loved the most. So they were this sweet little family within a big mm. family. So, you know, of the brothers with the other mom, these half brothers, mm. you know, they meant nothing to him. And I don't know if they're called half brothers back in the Bible, but, but they wanted, no, they, they needed a place in Joseph's Mm. world, but he could have gotten revenge on them, but he didn't. Mm. You know, I assume that he dreamt in the pit or in the prison, and I can relate to this, that he was waiting for revenge. Right. I now have South Dakota, South Dakota bullies, Mm. or I'd I should call them people that I went to high school with who want to come stay with us now in Green Bay. I've literally gotten a Facebook message from a couple saying, can we even stay in your basement? Because they want to go to the Packers game, but they couldn't get a hotel. Mm -hmm. It was full. And they treated me like trash. And now they want in my life. Total understatement when you say they treated you like trash. I mean, I've heard this story many times that it was like a bad high school teenager movie. I mean, during the introductions of a volleyball game. And this is so hard for people to even fathom and to even understand how this could possibly happen. But while they're introducing you as a starter in the volleyball game, somebody triggered the people and had everybody in the bleachers turn their back at the mention of your name. Yeah, it was a little like uh, a bad movie, like Mm. Mean Girls movie. But so now I do have boundaries. I'm not letting those people come stay in our guest room or our basement. Mm. I didn't have to be ugly to them. We just didn't have any room at the end. So like Joseph didn't want to hang out with his brothers. He actually made them go get the brother. He wanted in his life, the brother. He would keep the the big brothers alive though because he needed them to go get the little brother. But he wasn't looking for a guy's night out. Like my old high school friends, they might watch Jesus Plus Life now, they might message me. That's super cool. But I don't like have to be BFF after the pain. Right, and so it's like Joseph, like they have a place in your life, but but you have a place in their life, but they don't have a place in yours. Mm. But you're in this place of influence now. And, And like Joseph, that leaves you with the choice. Like you can get back at everyone who ever hurt you or or you can understand that the whole process was something to build you up. Mm. All of it happened, how it happened, so that it could make you better. Yeah. And like Joseph, he had to go through the pit. He had to go through the Potiphar and prison season so he could sit in the palace. And while he was in the palace, he was positioned to enter the season of purpose, mm. which for Joseph was to rescue his family. But, but we all have a purpose. And I wonder, what is that for you? What purpose are you pursuing right now? What season are you suffering through? 
Like, do you feel divided? Is there something or someone that's trying to bring separation? If so, I've got great news for you. The Bible says that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. And so if you felt like you're in a pit and you could see how deep you were, but you couldn't see your way out, Scripture says that Jesus will make a, a way out of no way, that Jesus is the one who, like Lazarus, will call inside the cave, yeah. who will call inside the darkness, who will call inside the depths, who will call inside the death of your life and will say, Lazarus, come forth, or Sonny, come forth, yeah. or Jimmy, come forth, or Dallas, come forth, or, or Sally, come forth, Wh whoever that may be, whoever you are in this place, that if you'll just pause, and if you'll just focus on the voice that is ringing out in the darkness, Jesus has nothing that he wants to do more than to close the divided cave. Would you close your eyes all across this place? You know, in the church world, we talk about this thing called salvation. And sometimes we talk about it like people just know exactly what it is that we're talking about. You, you know, salvation at its core just means rescuing. It just means that at some point in your life, you recognized that your life isn't what your life needs to be. And you've tried all of these other things, but none of it has worked. Salvation is a rescuing, a recognizing that you can't fix yourself, but there's someone who is. You know, really at its core, salvation is just Jesus closing the divided cave. You've been divided from him. You've been separated from him, but there's a way for you to close that gap. And so this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here today and your life is in ruins, if you feel like you're in a cave, if you feel like you're separated, if you feel like you're divided, then this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to be reconnected with the one who loves you through everything that you've done that would make you unlovable. And so this morning, we're going to do that by, by doing two things. We, we need to confess and we need to profess. We need to confess that we're a sinner and we need to profess that Jesus can save us. And so this morning, we're going to do that by doing two things. First is in just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask for people who want to confess to raise their hand. And this morning, when you raise your hand, that is you symbolizing that you're confessing. You're saying, yes, I'm broken. Yes, I'm a sinner. And then after that, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat that prayer. We're not going to ask you to stand. We're not going to ask you to center you out. We're not going to make you feel like you're alone in this place. But if you're here today and you say, Sean, I need to confess that yes, I am broken. Yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I am divided from Jesus, but I want to be reconnected in this place with nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand all across this place? So thanks. I'm going to ask everybody in here who raised their hand to repeat this prayer after me. Say, say dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life and change me. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord be my savior. Rescue me in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, you begin this beautiful journey away from who you are toward who Jesus wants you to be. We call it your Jesus journey. And so we want the opportunity to walk that journey with you. And so here's how you can help us help you. If you take that hello card, tear off the bottom part, fill it in, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says I'm choosing to follow Jesus, put it in the black buckets when they come around. We just want the opportunity to pray for you. We want the opportunity to follow up with you. And so if you would do that, that'll give us the opportunity to do that. But I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes one more time and I don't want you to leave. We're, we're not done yet. We're gonna close out here. 
in just a second. But I wonder if you're hearing you say, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. But you feel like you're in this cave. Like you, you feel like you've been separated. It, whether that's been because somebody put you in that pit. Because somebody put you in that cave. Or, or maybe your own actions put yourself in that cave. But today you say, Sean, I feel, I feel lone. I feel lost. I, I feel restless. And I need that comfort that can only come from Jesus. If you're here and you're wounded and you feel like you're in a pit or you're in a cave. Would you raise your hand this morning so that I can pray for you? And so God, today for my friends in this place who feel like they've been divided, they feel like they've been separated, they feel like they're isolated this morning, God, let them know that you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. You're the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so thank you, God, that you love us enough to reunite us and rescue us. Do that for my friends today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.